Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for um, another one of our, what, what did you say we're going to call these, <gasps> our extra special uh, podcasts? Well, this is extra. This is number 50. Yeah, see, I didn't know if I was going to play his right after the 49 one that we just did. So oh, uh, his okay. might be 51. Yeah, Scott, we, we may do a special edition for number 50. So um, it, it, Pete and I decided that we both be naked because Pete's always naked when we do this. Well, as long as you continue to refer to it as extra special, I don't care what the number is. Absolutely. Well, you know, if, if you, you'll, you'll have a bigger shot at actually getting on number 50, if you take your clothes off right now, oh, and no. then we're all three naked, you know, that might just be, you know, the guest is naked. The two hosts are naked. He's you know. actually the first person that we've had on who knew how to use Google Hangouts. Are you serious? If you realize that every single other person that we've ever done, we're like, oh, do you use Google Hangout? And they're like, uh, n- no, no. So we call <laughs> them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Scott, you know, our, our guest is Scott Blair. And uh, Scott has uh, a podcast called Wrestling with God, a Wrestling with God podcast. And uh, he's just written a new book uh, by the same title, Wrestling with God. It's a devotional. What I dig on the description, it says, this isn't your average devotional book. And so, Scott, tell us a little bit of your story. Give us a, first off, welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks. Thank you for having me. And, and tell us a little bit of your story, your background. You know, how, how, did, you, uh, how did you come into this whole wrestling with God thing? What's, what's your story, man? Well, I'll try to give you the cliff note version. It's, it covers a lot of years and uh, a lot has happened, but was not born and raised in a church family um, at all. We, I only attended church for funerals and weddings, um, which pretty much forbidden to go under any other circumstances. Um, I had an encounter with Jesus in a vision um, as a senior in high school in 1989. 
and I wasn't really sure what had happened. Um, I, I almost thought it was something demonic if I even knew what that was. Mm. Um, there was this, I woke up on this rocky hill with this bloody Jesus. Um, and though he was telling me how much he loved me and I felt how much he loved me, um, just from, I guess, maybe all the scary movies I had watched with, uh, bleeding crucifixes and different things. I thought it was almost demonic activity and I didn't tell anybody about it. Um, several months later, I was born again. And probably six months after being saved, uh, a man came to our church and preached on the crucifixion and the rocky hill called Golgotha and how Jesus was beaten beyond almost description as a man. And it wasn't until that point that I realized um, that that vision was biblically accurate. And um, so I probably not many months later, I accepted my call to ministry. Um, I knew there was a call in my life and I accepted it. And my first prayer, I was in a gymnasium of a church during a service and I accepted that call. And I remember just praying, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything you want me to do. Uh, but please don't make me a missionary <laughs> uh, because my concept of missionaries were, uh, they were poor, they were frontline, they were in dangerous territory. It just didn't sound fun. I wanted to be more like the CEO pastors that I saw these big churches that were really charismatic and had it all together, though I didn't see myself as a public speaker. That looked more appealing to me than being a missionary. And, uh, of course, I did have some stint on pastoral staff at a mega church, and in God's sense of humor, he called me to the mission field. Um, so be careful what you pray for. <laughs> Whatever you tell God, you don't want to do something. Um, my stint on the mission field uh, really was drove me to pretty much a nervous breakdown. I got to be honest with you. Mm. Um, it was the most rewarding thing I had done, but it also was the most challenging thing I had done. Um, there were some things in hindsight that I realized that I did wrong, that the church did wrong. Uh, the ministry, you know, I, I was out by myself. We didn't go out in twos. Um, there was a lot of things that, you know, in hindsight could have been different, but it it uh, it really wore me out, broke me down. And I pretty much walked away from ministry and lost a lot at that point in my life. Mm. And I took uh, some time and just kind of hid in the back of a new church. I didn't want to get to know anybody. I just wanted to sit under some preaching and worship. But that whole experience took me to a place uh, before before the fall, before I lost it all, before I walked away from the ministry in that time in my life. I had a lot of pride and a lot of confidence in who I was in God. And I, I really, um, to, to a point, it was probably to a degree arrogant. And, and maybe that was part of God's process. You know, pride comes before the fall. And God had to knock me off that high horse and show me what was really still truly in my heart. And, uh, you know, force me to throw myself at his mercy again. But that process began this new journey for me wrestling with God. And that's what I've been on for, for almost a decade now. Um, I haven't thrown out the gospel at all. Christ is still Lord. I still believe in the cross and God and the Trinity. And, and my doctrine is, is sound. But I'm really rebuilding it, um, trying to take off a traditional lens um, and be a little more open-minded and, and uh, kind of avoid some of the things I think that got me in trouble in the past. Um, and, and just to sum it up and my, my journey on where I am now, 
Um, during that time as a, as a, as a youth pastor and really is what got me thinking about this, but a lot of my kids would come to me and I went to a Southern Baptist high school, uh, for the last couple of years of high school because I was a troubled teen. I kind of got sentenced there. That was my first exposure to Christians. But upon talking to those kids, you know, why are you Southern Baptist? Well, it's because my parents were. And then I got involved in a charismatic evangelical semi-Pentecostal church on staff. And the kids that I was the pastor over, I'd ask them, you know, why are you Pentecostal? Why are you charismatic? And well, because my parents are, because I was raised in it. And it just seemed to be the answer. And the list went on. And I think that was part of the problem in all my years of ministry. So many of the things that had been given to me and things I was doing and things I had learned, I just did them because I was born into that church and into that way of thinking. And I just accepted whatever man handed me. And I didn't wrestle with God for myself. And I didn't wrestle with the scripture for myself. And so um, reaching that point of getting knocked off my high horse, I decided I was going to rebuild and I was going to rebuild by wrestling with God and wrestling with the scriptures and being open minded and let him determine uh, my direction, my path, the way I was going to do ministry and live my life for him. Yeah, I I think everyone who kind of goes, you know, even in the scripture, this is what people don't realize is that there's a lot of doubt in the scripture and people equate that with um, a lack of spirituality. People always want to slap an easy answer on you, kind of like a Band-Aid on a flesh wound. And and really, when you're wrestling, you know, that's where the growth comes out of, you know, you're. uh, you know, even nature, you, you've got your, you know, your uh, caterpillar who, man, he struggles. He gets out of that thing and there's blood going everywhere and it becomes a butterfly. I, I would say that my times of deep, deepest spiritual growth are in times where I was probably hurt the deepest um, by God, I felt, um, and really questioned, you know, everything, felt exactly like you, knocked off my high horse. Um, saw myself as I really was, not as everyone else saw me, and had to reconstruct my faith um, from the pages of the Scripture. Up. But but yeah, I think what we're told about Scripture and what Scripture actually says are sometimes very different things. I, I love one of the quotes in here. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, here's here's one. Uh, someone, one of the reviewers wrote and 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 kind of pulled this out. Allow a boy to doubt, and when he makes his faith his own, he will gladly become a martyr for it. Force him to accept your beliefs unconditionally, and he'll rebel. Yeah, and and that's kind of the concept behind the the book as well when you're talking about being allowed to doubt. There's a chapter in there called Let My People Doubt, and you know, and it talks about that. It's something that we don't give a lot of people room to do in the church nowadays. Um, we really condemn them for it. And, and make them uncomfortable for it. And one of the things I write about in there is uh, John the Baptist. Um, you know, here he is uh, baptizing Jesus, telling everybody that he's not worthy to uh, latch at his shoes and he's greater than him and, and all these things. Um, and then we don't see very far, much further in Scripture. And he's sending out some disciples to say, hey, you know, things aren't going kind of how I planned. Are you the one? I mean, here this guy was so confident that he knew who Jesus was. Um, and then he had this moment of doubt because things just didn't look the way he thought they were going to unfold. And so if, you know, uh, John the Baptist, no greater man been born of woman has doubts, um, then I guess it's OK for me to have uh, some permission to have some doubts and uh, struggles with this. 
Absolutely. Now, you, you, you introduce yourself uh, in, in a way that's humorous. Um, there's a lot of humor in the book, a lot of pop culture, but uh, I love how you do it almost like an AA, you know, opening introduction. I'm Scott Blair. I'm an ordained minister, and I've doubted my faith. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and that's a, another point of the book, and it's something I try to drive home in it in, in these devotions, is um, it's not written in a manner that I'm trying to provide answers to anybody or claim that I have the answers. Uh, what it is is to get you to honestly wrestle with God yourself on some of these issues. We may not land on the same answer on wrestling with these issues that I bring up. But the, the idea is to say, you know what, it's it's safe and encouraged for you to wrestle with this, to let every man work out his own salvation um, and to to dig into Scripture for yourself and not just take what's been handed to you from a traditional pulpit or, or a church upbringing. But, you know, get down and, and dig this thing out for yourself. Yeah. And and I think that's important if if you want to sustain your walk with God. It's got to be yours. you got to own it for yourself. Yeah, I think I think in the book what you're really calling people to do is to go a bit deeper. Jacob wrestled with the angel. And like that illustration I used earlier, you know, he, he he's a changed man afterwards. And, you know, so many people wrestle with God. David wrestles with God. Job wrestles with God. Solomon wrestles with God. Um, Peter wrestles with God. Um, you know, so many people wrestle with God in the pages of Scripture. Habakkuk, um, uh, Jeremiah, you know, I mean, the list just goes on, you know. Um, pe people wrestling with God, and yet uh, we don't, as you said, allow that to happen. And and what I find refreshing is you're a minister. Like you said, my doctrine's in order, but, you know, hey, I'm going to be transparent here. I'm going to share my struggles and where I've been in hopes that like the scripture, um, you'll actually realize this is part of the journey. This is part of walking with Jesus. Now I, I want to shut up for a minute. Pete, what are your thoughts on this? Cause you're, you're a PK, you know, raised, uh, in the Baptist church and surely this has to be resonating with some of your journey, man. Well, part of what I found really humorous at the beginning is, um, one of the things you said, Scott, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just don't make me a missionary. <laughs> and, and that makes me laugh because Peyton knows my story. And, I mean, that was like my my whole thing was, God, I don't want to be a missionary. I, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know, I'll be a Christian. I'll do what you want me to do. But, you know, don't make me do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. I hear that. And it's just funny to me. And that's why it's really funny to Peyton everything that, that we're doing now because he's like, hey, you know, I think God's calling you into ministry. And. And, um, you know, now I'm at a different point in my life and, and I don't, you know, you I still tell me no, <laughs> well, I still tell you no, but at the same no time, way, I also man. tell you like in the serious moments, it's like, well, look, you yeah. know, look at what Jesus did for me. I mean, how am I going to tell him? No, right. He's already yeah. done everything that could possibly be done for me. So whatever scraps I can give him, cause that's really what it is compared to what he's done for us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do it, but um, so, I mean, I get that, I get that, that dread of, you know, this isn't, this isn't really the direction I want to go. You know, we, we start out with that whole, I'm so grateful that there's a God and that he loves me and that he cares about me. Um, you know, now can I put him in a box and just keep him there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think something too, and, and I may uh, offend people, some people with this and, uh, but I'm, I'm on the church planner podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm comfortable what? with it. Um, but yeah, like 
I think sometimes God uses us in those weak areas that we don't want anything to do with because that's where he can show himself strong and he doesn't have to compete with our ego. God, I'm thank God, you know, bless those people that are super gifted at, at, at preaching. They could preach out of a phone book without praying. Thank you. People thank that you. are, I appreciate, that. <laughs> that are I appreciate it. Great singers <laughs> or whatever their gifting is. Uh, but I think sometimes God uses us, you know, the person, if somebody tells me, you know, they didn't want to do this certain thing, but God pushed them into it. Then I, I really understand that. And I resonate with it and I feel really comfortable with them. Um, other than the person who just feels like, you know, they were born to do that sometimes. I mean, in high school, my senior speech, um, this is a confession. I hope my teacher doesn't listen to this, but I signed up for, uh, to get extra credit for a debate, um, a public debate. Like I, I had to give a speech on something and somebody was going to counter it and et cetera. I prepared, I did everything and I faked an injury the morning of and called and said, I can't come. I've got this busted head and busted eye and just totally flat out lied. I wasn't saved at that point. Flat out lied and uh, said I couldn't do it because my fear of public speaking was so great that, that you know, I just took this tumble and injury and lied and over-exaggerated it and tried to get out of it. I mean, the thought just paralyzed me. And they say that's the number one fear. More people fear public speaking than they do dying. <laughs> And wow. And, and I really was a, I was terrified of it. And then I just the irony of God and his sense of humor calling me to preach. And so many times, you know, getting up in, in front of several thousand people and preaching and just the whole time, just kind of winking at him and laughing, saying, you know, I can't believe you did this to me, dirty dog. You know, you got me out here preaching. Yeah. You know how bad I hate it. Um, but I know. And, and, and the, the irony and the further irony is that public speaking now that you're a preacher public speaking is like a breeze in the park. Preaching is a whole nother issue because man, preaching is, yeah, it's just, it's different in it. You're like, okay, Lord, I'm up here talking about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. There's been so many phases I've went through with preaching. Um, I used to preach and, and afterwards just beat myself up so bad. Um, it was almost like I would step into the anointing and God would loan it to me and, and, and let me just, you know, preach with this zeal and fervor and passion. But the moment I got done and, and went and got alone in an office or something, it was gone. I was left alone with me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went through that for quite a while in the beginning of preaching. Mm. Yeah, it's it's hard. Well, t you know, the book right now is on Amazon. It is it is a, a, an ebook. It's on Kindle. And you've got for the rest of the week, by the time our listeners are hearing this, it's still going to be on sale until the weekend. So it is on sale for 99 cents. A price will go up after that. But, um, it, you know, for a buck, man, and, you know, you're listening to, to Scott Blair. And uh, as, as Kung Fu Panda says, you're overawed uh, and blinded by his sheer awesomeness. You need to buy this book um, for 99 cents. Also, it's a great tool to give people that you're talking to who've got the wrong stick about Christianity. Most of you church planners out there, you're frontline. You're talking to people. You're hearing people. Uh, you, you know, you deal in doubts every day. So, uh, you know, whether believer or non-believer, wrestling with God is, again, part of the journey. So, Scott, tell us a little bit about the book. How's it broken down? Uh, how many chapters is it? How, how big is it? You know, how much of a commitment is it to pick it up and read it? Yeah, and, and just to tie into what you're kind of saying, 
Um, I think it has great topics and conversation starters. If you're building a missional community, um, if you've got a Sunday school class, uh, if you're looking for sermon topics, um, again, it doesn't provide answers, but great conversation starters, especially if you're dealing with people that are unchurched or burnt by church. Uh, they're really going to appreciate that you even brought up some of these questions. Mm. And I definitely want to talk about it. They'll, they'll open right up. I found that to be my experience. Um, it's 24 chapters. And what I have basically done is I went back through while working on my theology degree. Um, I wrote some papers that I know were controversial with my classmates and my professors at times um, because of the questions I asked or wrestled with publicly. And I went back and I grabbed some of those and I took some things off of uh, a blog that I had uh, that I'd put out there. And I took some things out of my personal journal and I just rewrote them for this book format. And I chose two dozen of what I thought were the most challenging. Um, and I put them put them into this ebook. Um, and also, I mean, I had, you know, I've got the Wrestling With God podcast. And the idea behind that podcast is is to open and talk about some of these same questions and to bring in some people that have a lot of experience with it and to give us their experience. And with that podcast, I really just want to serve the ministers, the pastors, the authors, um, the people that I have on, and I want to expose more people uh, to them. That's why I had you on the podcast as well, Peyton. Uh, I read your book. Uh, Patrick Hubbard turned me on to it. And when what, what I read it, what was the name it, of that book? A Church Zero. Cha-ching! Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, and I loved it. And I resonated with it, and I want more people to know about it. And that's why uh, I was so grateful you came on the podcast. And I've got a link to the podcast in the back of the book. And I hope that the the book, the devotional, serves as something that drives traffic um, to the podcast. And there's no hidden agenda there. I think that I have had people on that podcast, and I don't always 100% agree with everything. They don't always agree with me. But there are people that we should be having conversations with. They are books that we should be reading um, as Christians, as pastors, as believers, as church planners. And so I hope the book serves, you know, several purposes. I hope that it's challenging and has people wrestling with God and and also that it drives traffic to the podcast so that people can discover Church Zero, um, Church Planner Magazine and anybody else that we've had on there. Woohoo! Um, but yeah, so we haven't made you say cha-ching cause you know, we are just talking about your book. <laughs> Normally every time someone mentions a product, we do cha-ching, but, uh, you know, uh, since we're talking about your book, we'd be doing it left and right. But yeah, I, I you know, and that's the thing is that, um, you know, if you want to get to know Scott, like this is a big podcast too. I mean, it's not, it's not, I mean, I don't even know how many followers you got Scott, but I know when we heard your numbers, we're like, wow, that's impressive. Millions. <laughs> pinky pinky to the mouth one yeah. million <laughs> listeners yeah you know it and and you're it's because you're connecting with people and of course when you're a church planner that's what you're doing so um you know i love the heart behind it where you're saying look honesty the opposite of being honest is being fake and jesus's pet peeve with religion was phariseeism which literally means false facedness, acting, um, play acting, play acting religious. And that's kind of what you're doing. You're, you're, you're getting on your podcast and writing this book and saying, it's okay to be real. And you know, that, that to me is the essence of a successful church plant. 
is people that come together and say, hey, we're going to be real. We're going to model real Christianity to this community because everybody's seen enough of the fake stuff. I mean, people are sick ad nauseum. People are vomiting every time they hear the fake religiosity. Um, and, and they want authenticity. And I, I think in this age right now where everybody's being real, our politicians, we're seeing how real they are. Actors and actresses, I mean, the world has opened up like never before. You don't have a private life anymore. So our era, Scott, that we grew up in where people could have a public persona, those days are gone. You know, now it's I'm transparent. What you see is what you get. You know, if Britney Spears has emotional problems, well, you know, it's going to be broadcast all over TV, all over the Internet. You know, um, you, you just anything you do now gets put on display. So um, and this is what Christianity was always meant to be. And uh, one one of the cool things about your book that uh, uh, somebody wrote on one of the reviews and I and I found this just a powerful statement um, of how you're connecting with people. They said the chapter on loneliness, uh, just that chapter alone is worth the purchase price. Now, it's only 99 cents, <laughs> but I'm sure what they meant was, hey, I'd buy this book regardless of the price just for that chapter. Obviously, that chapter was powerful and a touch of nerve. Well, I, I think there's a there's a chapter in there that uh, you'll have to get to read and give me uh, your opinion on your feedback on. Um, but chapter eight in the book is I've decided to never plant a church. <laughs> and uh, so that might be a challenging read for you. I, uh, when, when did you decide that? Um, and again, this, this was that written, after a church plant during a church plant. <laughs> Cause that's what that sounds like. You, you yeah. know, it actually kind of was during the plant of uh, the home fellowship that we had. Um, uh, the grapplers church we planted here in Cincinnati, Ohio um, basically with the intention of it just being a simple church, an organic church where we could have people gather together uh, in a home. Um, but the concept behind it is I'm not against church planning, obviously, but it's more so that um, it's not about these formulas um, yep. and that we have or a lot of people. It just becomes so chic, I think, Yep. Um, to be a church planner, to have these church yep. planning conferences and and, and unfortunately, not everybody that grabs a hold of that or gravitates towards it is actually, I believe, called. Yeah. Um, I think it is something that happens more organically. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I talk about in, in that chapter of the book, too, is just that um, there's that old 80-20 rule um, that, you know, uh, 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work in the church and 80 percent of the giving. So my thought process on that and while planning Grappler's Church was, you know, I don't I don't need a church of 200. Give me 12 partners who, who are 100% sold out to this. You know, why, why should we fund for the other 80% yeah. uh, to come and sit in the building and to, and to take from, from us and, and anything else when, when you could just take 12 minus the overhead and mm-hmm. we can put 100% of our energy and our money and our abilities um, to spreading the gospel? Or Amen. to serving our community, so well, that was kind of the uh, to the choir now. Because for <laughs> me, it's the same thing. Size means nothing to me. Most of the church planning stuff I hear out there, I disagree with. Um, I don't knock a guy if he's got a different approach, because I'm like, all right, you know. But if I start seeing it being a commercialized thing, if I see it being self-seeking, if I see that a guy, we talked about this on a recent podcast where we we're like, hey, if a guy goes out there and is like, the focus is on this church that he has to start. 
well, there's something wrong with that. You know, he's got his logo. He's got, you know, uh, we're going to start this church. The focus was never on starting a church. The focus was always on the gospel and people, always on Jesus and people. That is the essence. What you're saying is actually the true essence of church planning. And, of course, you are a church planner, and that's that's what you came to. You basically went, probably like me, from ministry, um, you know, the traditional model of ministry, and eventually gave it all up, said, I don't really give a rip about any of this, but, you know, I still care about God, and I still care about people. Exactly. So ministry came out of that. And that that's how I became a church planner, because I quit ministry, and the Holy Spirit still continued to, to work around me. I couldn't flick it on and off like a light switch. <laughs> well, to, to cha-ching my book again, uh, another go thing. It, go for it. Say the title. <laughs> In Wrestling with God, Chapter cha-ching! 2. Uh, I think another great point that goes right along with what we're talking about is like the chapter there is, uh, I am a pregnant man. And uh, there's some great chapter titles, I think. They're probably the chapter titles are better than the whole book. So. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but it talks about that, you know, I, I have done things in ministry out of the flesh, and I have done things um, that were born of God. And there is a huge difference. And one of the things is if you're not pregnant with it, and you'll know once you've been through that ministry experience, if you're not pregnant with it, it's probably not of God. Because when you get pregnant with a vision from God, I mean, it you have all the symptoms, your your uh, your taste buds change. Uh, you, you feel like, um, you're, if you, you know, you get to a point that if you don't give birth, you feel like you're going to die. Everything that I've done in ministry, um, that's almost to the point where God took me, you know, I got so passionate about something and, and so into it and could so see it in my spirit that I would start having those talks with him. Like, listen, if you don't bring this to pass soon, I'm going to die. I mean, why would you tell me these things? Why would you show me these things and leave me out here and not do this thing? Come on, where are you? We got to do this. And uh, I think that's something important that men of God need to have and church planners need to have. You need to be so impregnated with the vision for that church and for that community or for that group, whatever God's called you to, that you get to the point that you say, you know, God, if you don't do what you've called me to do and what you promised to do here. And I'm going to die. I've got to have it that bad. And that, that is, that's that authenticity we're talking about. Again, the book is the wrestling with God. The podcast is a wrestling with God podcast. Wait for it. Wait for it. (laughs) And the author (laughs) and the author is pregnant man, Scott Blair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, before we get off, I just have to point this out because I'm—I know Amazon is such a funny website, right? Like mm-hmm. it tells you, you know, the things connected with your book, and I—I'm sure you're not aware of this, but I found this humorous. Um, what other items do customers buy after viewing this item? You'll be pleased to know, Scott. It was amazing breakfast sandwich recipes. Fifty-one quick and easy delicious breakfast sandwich recipes for the busy person by Mandy Stevens. That's at the end. Some Somebody looked at your book and then bought Amazing Breakfast Sandwich Recipes. Oh, Peyton, I opened it one that day. That was you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Coffee for breakfast for me. That's it. I know it's not Pete because it would have been something to do with burritos. I, one day I opened it up and it had uh, erotic lesbian novel. <laughs> was one of the ones purchased also. And I just thought, well, thank God they bought the book. Well, that's what I was reaching out for. They're so. wrestling with God. 
<laughs> you know what? That's but again, fit. but again, hungry people need this book, and people that read erotic lesbian literature need this book. This is the reality. Uh, what I love is you are always going to connect with people uh, on questions. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. And it asks, you know, it deals with the question of suffering, struggling, and wrestling with God. So, Scott, man, it has been awesome having you. Uh, I feel like we have a friend of the podcast on today. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, thanks for writing that book. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank well, to the, uh, to, the, to the passing of the train, we'll exit. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.